before you, we really come and we say, you need to come, you, you need to feed us. We want to come and submit to your word, and I pray that you would cause your word to feed us, to train us, to instruct us into righteousness. I pray that you would this morning come and do a work in hearts and souls that need to be totally transformed, totally rescued. We all are sinners, God, and we come confessing our sin to you. Our sins of selfishness, our sins of fear, our sins of complaining, and our sins of gossip, our sins of envy and lust, our sins of anger, our sins of theft. God, would you come and forgive us? Thank you that you do forgive sins of everyone who confesses in Jesus' name. So we confess our sins to you. We ask that we would be made into a people that is like Jesus Christ. God, we thank you that we come not boasting in ourselves, but poor in spirit. We come knowing that if we received what we deserve, it would be hell, because your scripture teaches that, and we believe that. I pray, God, we would come, though, as really thankful people, because you have saved us. And you are saving the people. God, would you make us into the likeness of Jesus Christ? Would you, this morning, help Carol and her family to grieve the loss of their mother? And I pray that you'd use this passing to draw people's minds to that which is eternal and to draw our minds and our hearts to that. As we come and look before Colossians chapter 1 and the subject of suffering, you would, God, do that in our heart, in our minds this morning. God, use these songs, use our prayers, use them as a means of drawing us to faith in you. Would you take our offerings and you would use them for your glory and cause our hearts to not trust in riches, but to trust in you. In Jesus' name, amen. You turn, me, turn with me to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians 1 verse 24 should be also in your bulletin if you got one. If you follow along as I read verses 24 through the end of the chapter, Paul concludes this section by saying, getting personal. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, he says. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's affliction for the sake of his body, that is, the church of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the Word of God fully known. The mystery hidden for ages and generations but now revealed to his saints. To them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we proclaim warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you would, by the riches of your glory, grant us to be strengthened with power through your Spirit in our inner being, so that by Christ dwelling in our hearts through faith, we may be rooted and grounded in love that we may have the strength with all of the saints to understand what is the height and the depth and the width and the length and the breadth of your love and to be filled with all the fullness of God. I pray that as we have received Christ Jesus the Lord, we would so walk in Him, rooted and grounded and established in Him, abounding with thanksgiving. Father, I pray that if there are some in this room that have never been born again, 
never truly received Christ Jesus their Lord through repentance and faith, that today would be the day of salvation. As we talk about this subject of suffering, I pray that you would guard my words and that they would be truly healing as they are from you. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to take your eyes and your mind and your attention right now and focus them on the beginning of this paragraph where Paul says, now I rejoice in my sufferings. Tell you what, if you're not familiar with the scriptures, you see that phrase and you go, that's really strange. I rejoice in my sufferings. That is a strange way. I, I don't rejoice in my sufferings naturally. But sufferings can be anything from physical, emotional, relational pain that at the moment feels either unbearable or something you want to get rid of right away. We're not talking about the pain of soreness after a workout. That we go, oh, that's pain. I need to have that pain, though, because it means I'm getting somewhere. That's not the pain we're talking about or suffering we're talking about. We're talking about the excruciating sufferings and pain. And I want to talk to you about the subject of pain this morning. I'll talk to you about the subject of sufferings. Paul says something here that he says often throughout his letters. Almost every letter, he says something kind of like this. I rejoice in my sufferings. In fact, he's going. Jesus is going to say something that should make us say, is there a way we're supposed to rejoice in our sufferings? Yes. How do we do that? Sufferings are not something we ever want, and so therefore, why would we... The word rejoice means to, to sing and desire it, be glad, to be happy. To rejoice means to be excited. It's what you do when you watch your favorite sports team score a goal or score a touchdown or score get on the scoreboard. It is something you do out of joy and a happiness. And Paul said... Rejoice in my sufferings. I want to talk to you about this strange way of talking. And, and this this morning's sermon is going to be a little bit different than what normally we go passage by passage. And we come to this passage, and as I started to study this, I said, whoa, this is a passage that speaks to a lot of things, and... Next week, I plan to take verses 24 through 29 and give us the main sense. What, what was Paul saying about his ministry? What was he all about? And I, it's very relevant to all of our lives and what God's intention is for us. And for each of us to have a mindset of, of the ministry of Paul and what that means in our lives. And to thank God, he talks about a message that's transformative. So we're going to see that next week. But I want to stop after that first phrase, I rejoice in my sufferings. And if you've ever read, especially a textbook, you're reading through a textbook, and you're going through, it's, it's communicating what it needs in the chapter, the main theme or whatever, and then you stop, and maybe they talked about a subject that needs to go in greater depth, and you have several boxes in there where you have printed on the page a box that has an article that speaks to a subject. And and you just you ignore that because you want to keep going through the flow of argument of the chapter. But you come back and you go, hey, I want to read on this subject. And that's what we're doing this morning. We're going to read on the subject of suffering. Because the scriptures say a lot about suffering. And I'm thankful they do because suffering is something we all experience. I know that you, many of you in this room either have suffered or are suffering in various ways right now. And if you have not or are not suffering, because we live in this fallen world with fallen bodies and with other fallen people, 
mean by that is people that have all been affected by the fall, the sin of Adam that took place in the Garden of Eden and has impacted everything. And as Romans says, everything is subjected to futility in this world. We will suffer. Paul said it these, in these ways. In Romans 5.3, we rejoice in our sufferings. He said to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 6.10, Sorrowful. I'm sorrowful, but always rejoicing. Or in chapter 7 of that same book, he says, In all our affliction, which is bad, difficult, trying things, health, physical, he was being persecuted and stoned, and he was being injured, and he was starving, and he was being exposed to weather and elements. He says, in all our affliction, I am overflowing with joy. And then James, the brother of Jesus, wrote to the churches, count it all joy, all joy, when you meet trials of various kinds. I don't know, I may. I know some of your trials this morning because I've got to know some of you. But my guess is this subject is important to all of us. I know it's important to all of us. We all feel it, especially when we are suffering. What sufferings are you going through this morning? Or will you have you been going through? Whether it be, though not very often, were you ridiculed for Christ? That's a suffering that most... Christians haven't yet experienced, but they will experience and do experience from time to time. Maybe it's the the pain and suffering of financial stress. Not only financial stress that leads to anxiety. Or feeling of injustice in your job. It isn't fair. They're treating me bad. I feel like I'm being abused in this. I'm being exploited. I'm being taken advantage of. Or it could be the relational heartache of someone breaking that heart, devastating you, a hurt that comes through the form of a parent, or the hurt that comes through a child who is wayward and painful to your heart, or a spouse. It could be physical affliction. The pain that you feel in the morning that brings terror in your mind, what could that be? The pain that is with you every day and in your mind may be with you until you die. The pain that the loss of a relative, the loss of a spouse, of a parent. I know that you're in here and you've experienced that. You've experienced that in the last few years, the last year. You've experienced it in such a way that you don't know how you can recover. Or in the way you go, you, the way you respond to that is all over the map. Or maybe just unexplained emotional pain. Maybe you just feel so numb and so blah and so dark and so just everything is just, it just it feels so numb. How should we view our sufferings? Well, there's a lot to be said about that. I, I don't want. I I think every Christian, in being built up in the faith, needs to, as they study the Scripture, have a a theology of suffering. A theology. What I mean by that is, what does God teach about suffering? Why we suffer? How do we respond to suffering? What is God doing in there? And I say this to say, what my sermon is about is not the type of sermon that if you have a friend that right now is suffering, he probably doesn't need you to come and give these five points to him. He needs you to be there and put your arm around him or her and to say, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sure it hurts worse than I can imagine. I'm praying for you. Is there anything I can do for you? But there is a sense in which we need to know. And we need to be built up and rooted and grounded in God's truth. There are foundational truths about God that we need to know when we face suffering. 
truths such as God is sovereign. I'm not going to go into all these truths about God, but these are some things that we presume as we go through the scriptures. God is sovereign. He is omnipotent. He is over all things. He is powerful and mighty. He can control weather, and he controls climates, and he controls our bodies. And it's Jesus Christ that is doing this. It's Jesus that holds all things in his hands. It says, even in this chapter of Colossians 1, But not only is God all-powerful, including in the circumstances of your suffering, He is all-wise. He is absolutely, completely full of knowledge and wisdom, and He so designs everything with absolute precision. But we sit in this world and we go, but that doesn't seem right. That suffering is so unfair. That is so difficult. God, if you would just remove this pain from me. We also learn in God's word that God is good. God is sovereign. He's wise. He's good. He's, and what we mean by good is that God is committed to his children's eternal joy. This message is a Christian message. It's a message that is based on God's Word and based on truths that we believe some very radical things. We believe that we're going to go on and live forever. And so, the pain that we suffer right now, we are going to be faced to trust a God who is all-powerful. He could take that pain away right now if He wants to. And yet, the Bible says he's absolutely wise, and so he's really smart about what he's doing. He's not making a mistake. And then we also learn that he's really good. He does everything what's best for us, for his children. But what we see in front of us doesn't look good. Why did this happen in my family? Why is this happening in my job? Why did this happen in this situation? It doesn't seem right, God. How long, oh God, will you take that away? God, when are you going to make things right? We need to remember that this world is not all there is. We are eternal beings in one sense. We will either spend it forever with God through Jesus Christ and the inheritance and joy of everlasting bliss, of happiness, of we, it's the Christian hope or eternal punishment. And here, here's another foundational, last foundational thing. The way God has designed you and me to live in this world where there's suffering is to have a relationship with God that is by faith. It is, God, I don't get it, but I'm trusting in you. And God's intention is absolutely to build our faith in God that we believe that God, who though we don't see it, we like Abraham walk by faith, and we go forward and say, God, you said it, I believe it, you could raise the dead. You told me to sacrifice my son, it does not make sense, but I believe you. My, my life is not mine, it's yours, I trust in you. You can raise Isaac if you want. Because you said you're going to bless me through Isaac. See, that must be what you're doing. That took faith that did not see the circumstances. The circumstances didn't make sense, but they trusted. He trusted in God. And corresponding to that, Satan's design is always to undermine our faith, undermine our faith to destroy our faith, to cause you and me to disbelieve God that he is good, that he is wise, that he is powerful, that if he is powerful, he's mean. Or if he's good, he's just not powerful enough. Or he's just mistaken. But we find in scriptures that these things are not true. How should we view our sufferings? My, my challenge to you this morning is for us to become a people so built up in Christ, and this is what Paul is wanting us to have, and that's Paul's intention in Colossians that we're studying. Paul's intention is for Colossians, in Colossians, is for us to be so built up and rooted in 
Christ. And I've said this before, but I want to say this again. It is God's intention is to cause us to, you and I, every one of you, not just a pastor or a deacon or a deacon's wife or some leader in the church. God's intention is for you, no matter what age you are, whether you're getting on an age and you say, my time to come to Jesus is soon, or if it's, hey, it's early, I'm young, I'm a teenager, or I'm, I'm not even a teen yet. God's intention is for you to grow up and be a mature made person that's made, is fashioned in the image of Jesus. God is, and, and for that to happen, we are to be like, God intends for us to take in truth and to take in knowledge and take in His Spirit works in us. Next week we're going to see the impact of His Spirit in our lives to be like trees. Solid, so, not, not just these wimpy popple trees, but a solid oak that roots go real deep. And real deep down and real deep out. And so they're really down, really deep, really strong. We want to be established in Jesus Christ, rooted and grounded in Him. A foundation that goes real deep, has strong footings, so that that foundation can go up high and out. So when the winds blow, when the sun comes and scorches us, it does not fade, does not wither, it doesn't blow over. But it stands firm and it bears fruit because of the life source that's in God. How could, in the early church, when I say the early church, right after Jesus rose from the dead, went up to heaven, he started his church, and they spread all over the Roman Empire, and they were being persecuted. They suffered like crazy. They suffered like you and I, have. most of us, have never suffered. And we read instances like Acts 5.41, and they left the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name of Jesus. Here's, here's, what I, here's the point that I want to challenge you all this morning. Whatever your suffering is, whether that be physical, whether that be emotional, often emotionals can be, and usually they're, they're, they're connected. I hurt and therefore I worry. Or I worry and or I, I feel emotionally a pain. Or it be relational, which all relate to that as well. What, no matter what it is, whether they be circumstances that come from decisions you made in the past that you regret, and now you're facing and reaping the pain of those sufferings. Whatever it may be, I think that you and I, I believe that you and I can rejoice, learn to literally rejoice in our sufferings, find true joy in our sufferings when we conscience embrace our sufferings as an opportunity to suffer with Christ and for Christ. Is it, I, I, want, this takes, I want you to think about this. I want you to think about whatever it is right now that's really causing you to ache or, or has caused you to ache. And I want you to look at them and I want you to ask God to help you say, God, teach me to view these sufferings as an opportunity to suffer with Christ and for Christ. You might say, but Pastor Daniel, I can see the comfort that Paul had because he was going along, he was going throughout the empire and he was preaching the name of Jesus Christ and people were getting saved and then they were persecuting him. The Jews were persecuting him. The Romans were persecuting him. He was being a bruise. For Christ, Christ is going to reward him because he was suffering for Christ. And Christ was with him. He had a special reward, but I, I'm dealing with the pain of potential cancer. That's not suffering for Christ. I'm dealing with the pain of challenges in my home and in my family. I'm dealing with the pain of a monotony of a job that is so difficult and so frustrating. How could that be suffering for Jesus and with Jesus. Many years ago, I read uh, uh, an article by John Piper, and I want to share a little bit of it with you. And if, if you grasp some of it, I think this can be so helpful for us. 
in choosing to follow Jesus Christ. If you're a Christian here this morning, you're called to follow Jesus. You're called to, to enter the path of obedience, of saying, my life isn't mine. I'm still a sinner. God is in the process of making me different, but I want to follow him. And I want to follow him wherever he leads me and whatever it costs, I'm going to follow him and I'm going to obey one day at a time, one step at a time. But I want to follow Jesus. I want to follow him in his word. I want to follow him with God's people. But I need to follow him. In choosing to follow Christ in the way God directs, do you realize we choose all that that path includes under God's sovereign providences? Thus, all suffering that comes on that path is suffering with Christ and for Christ, whether it be cancer or conflict. All experiences of suffering in the path of obedience, whether from persecution, which most of us haven't faced persecution for our faith, or even sickness or an accident, all of those things have this in common. They all threaten our faith in the goodness of God. And they all tempt us to leave the path of obedience. Do you follow? Everything that comes in our ways that causes us to suffer and to hurt. Everything in our path of obedience. And if you're a Christian, you said, I want to follow Jesus. And everything, any suffering, no matter what it is, they threaten our faith in God's goodness, and they tempt us to leave that path of obedience. I'm just tired of that. God didn't bless me. God didn't do this. Why should I follow him? And therefore, every triumph of faith, every time we have victory and we trust God in that suffering, and we look to him, and we fight against our complaining mouth, and by the way, we complain and we sin and we confess that sin, but we still look to God, Every triumph of faith and all perseverance and obedience are testimonies of God's goodness and of the preciousness of Jesus Christ. Whether the enemy is sickness or Satan or sin or sabotage. And all suffering of every kind that we endure in the path of a Christian calling, the suffering that takes place from a mom who daily deals with the monotony of caring for his her children and feels unrewarded and in that path he continues to obey Jesus and fights the temptation to give it up and find fulfillment in something else rather than trust God and invest in that family or that dad who says I'm going to say no to these things because I need to invest and say die to myself and give to my family and give and give and give That person that resists the temptation to throw it away and embraces the sacrifice, the suffering, the pain that can come from those things is suffering with Christ and for Christ. It's with Him in the sense that suffering comes to us as we're walking by with Him by faith in God. We walk with Christ and say, I'm going to endure this challenge with you. I'm, I'm going off and I'm going to face the pain of the challenge that is off in this path of difficulty. And I'm going to be suffering with Christ. And I'm going to suffer for Christ. I want to show that God is the Lord of my life, that God is more satisfying than rejecting Him and trying to find false saviors. Anytime we turn away, anytime we feel pain, we, we flee or fight. But either way, we are looking for relief. We're looking for that temporary or permanent Savior out of that pain. And anything that is an expression of, I'm, I'm not trusting in God anymore is moving away from what we've been called to do. Not only that, the suffering of sickness and the suffering of persecution, they have this in common. The sufferings of persecutions, the sufferings of 
being reviled for God's sake. And the sufferings that you might face from relationship rejection to loneliness to the suffering of physical pain and sickness have this in common. They are both intended by Satan for the destruction of your faith. And they're governed by God for the purification of your faith. That's Job. God is saying, Satan is like, I want to destroy his faith. God is purifying his faith. God is working, Satan, all the time, God who is the sovereign, Satan never has power that God doesn't give him. Satan is God's lackey. He can never go past what God wants. God is always in control, but God in your life, when trials and sufferings come, Satan wants to destroy you, your faith, and make you trust and look to something else. Because it's all about faith in God, and Jesus is saying, no, I'm going to build your faith. I'm going to build you up in God. So with that said, I want to give you five faith-building things. They're really quick, but five things that in God's Word it says that suffering produces, that, that, that make us go, I believe that. I trust that. This is, this is good news. This, this builds me up in such a way that when, when tomorrow you face that phone call, you say, okay, God, I want to believe you. I, am, I get to thank you that I right now, in this painful dis- situation that's dealing with my family, or I'm dealing with my, my body, or I'm dealing with this circumstance in my life. God, I want to not just, just kind of get through it. But God, I want to so deal with it in a way that I suffer with you and for you. Yes, I'm going to ask, I'm going to pray repeatedly for relief, but I'm going to pray that I will suffer with you and for you. Here are five things, five important reasons why we can rejoice in our sufferings. There are more than this but I want you to just see these five. They're, they can be summed up in the one word. If you have your notes, if you have your notes, you have a sentence with each of them. But I have a key word that is related to each of them. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just say the first the five. There's five reasons. So if, if you zone out, you at least get these five. Here, we can rejoice in our sufferings. And we can suffer with Christ and for Christ. Because you know what? Our great and glorious God uses our sufferings, first of all, to cause us to long for reward. There will be a reward coming. Secondly, because our God, and I'm, I'm going to say the full sentence later on here in just a minute, but secondly, because God uses our sufferings to bring us into a greater intimacy with God, which you and I were meant to, meant to have. And we will not be happy unless we truly have that intimacy. And when we look back, we go, I'll take sufferings if that I get that. That I, I'm not speaking, I'm speaking from some experience, but I, over and over again, God, God does something and brings a closeness to God in the sufferer that they go, I would take my sufferings over again so that I would have Him like He's given me Him. Number three, because there is a maturity that's built. I want to be mature in Christ. I want to be mature and not just falling apart. I want to be built up into a maturity that God intends as a human being. And sufferings is part of the way that God uses and shapes us as maturity. Fourthly, there's an assurance that God is our God and He saved us as we grow and endure in our, in our pain. We come and go, I'm real. God has saved me. He's really working in my life. I saw it. I literally saw it because I suffered. He, had, I, he kept me. I did not give up. My faith is real. I have hope. And lastly, there is a, there is a type of suffering that God's people, we can have, that it has so much ministry to others. I tell you, some of the greatest pastors and not pastors People in the pew, people in the chairs, they weren't pastors, they were a mom or a, a businessman, or they were just working, and they, they endured so much suffering, and they had so much of a ministry to care for, minister, and help other people, not in spite of their sufferings, but because of their sufferings, to minister. 
So I, I want to take these real quickly. Number one, God uses our sufferings. And the, number one, the first reason of how we can rejoice is because the eternal reward from Christ that far surpasses suffering. We're going to see this in Colossians, but as you experience suffering with Christ and for Christ, God wants to fix our attention to that there is a day coming. We long for another day. We long for a day that's coming, and there's a reward coming, and as we hold on to Christ, we rejoice that we get a chance to suffer because it's going to mean more happiness later on. It hurts now, but it means more happiness later on. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, Blessed are you when you're persecuted for righteousness' sake. And you know what? If you suffer, no matter whether it's someone hurting you, not related to Jesus, or cancer, and you suffer and you trust God, you're persecuted for righteousness' sake because Satan is persecuting you, trying to rip you from trusting in God. He says, blessed are you when people, others revile you, even if it's Satan, and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets before. You are in good company, and there is great reward. There are a lot of passages about this, but I want you to just see 2 Corinthians 4. 2 Corinthians 4, 16-18. Paul suffered more abuse from his ministries than any one of us could probably imagine. He describes it in one of his letters. He describes it in many different forms, but this is what he says. We don't lose heart in our sufferings. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day for this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Paul said that his sufferings, if you started to look, you say, I was beaten many times. He was whipped many times. He was stoned once with real rocks. He was he was abused. He was exposed to suffering of all kinds. He was so, torture, hunger, thirst, travel. And he says... It's light, momentary affliction. I know there's some of you in this room that have suffered in ways that I cannot imagine. And Paul says that his suffering is preparing. It's light and how can Paul say it's momentary and light? As a pastor, I probably won't ever come to you when you're in real pain and go, "It's really light." It's really momentary. Be of good cheer. I'm not going to say it like that. Because you'd be like, where's Pastor Jack? But Paul in this letter is saying, it, it's light and it's momentary because it's compared to something else. An eternal weight of glory. Someday, you're, it's light because it's going to be so heavy and awesome later on. The sufferings that you experience now are not worth compared to the glory that will be revealed. And, and right now, it's, it feels like a long time, but it's, it's so short because eternity is forever and it will get better and better. I love how C.S. Lewis, at the end of The Last Battle, describes eternity. And he says, in all the stories of Narnia... And all the in the lives of these children were but like the preface of a book. A book in which each chapter gets better than the next. In which the book goes on forever. That's the hope of glory. And God says, I have a hope for you, an inheritance. It's going to be great. And right now, it's short, but I'm fashioning you into a type of person so that you can enjoy this forever. And so he says, I can rejoice, number one, because there's a reward. Number two, I can rejoice because I can experience the greater intimacy with Christ leading to a strength and comfort. We don't have time to go through all these. 
But in 2 Corinthians 1, he says, I receive a comfort in my afflictions so that I can comfort you in your afflictions. And I receive a spec. And he says, he says, God of mercies comforts us in our afflictions so that we can comfort others. For as we share abundantly in Christ's suffering, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. Similarly, in 2 Corinthians 12, he says, I had a thorn in the flesh that was so bad and I asked God to repeatedly get rid of it, God. Is that where you are? God, get rid of it. Please relieve me of this. And God said, no, because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to grow you into knowing me and my strength and my power on you. And Paul said, so therefore I embrace all of those things because then I get God. I get God's help. I want, I want His comfort. I want His help. And if everything is, is fine, I don't, I don't rely on Him. C.S. Lewis, in, in his book, Problem of Pain, says, he said, we are like, he says, remember, what, you know what it's like. We're enjoying all our leisures in life and everything is good. We're going to go out to dinner and have this and we have all this. Everything is comfortable. You wake up and you feel that piercing pain in your abdomen and wonder what that is. Is it going to re- bring you to death? You, you, all of a sudden, your whole life is shaken. Like a, like a house of cards, it comes crumbling down. All the toys that you had are meaningless at that moment. And what do you do? You seek God. You're terrified, so you run to Him. And for those moments, you do as you were meant to do. You consciously depend and rely on God because you feel so desperate. We often experience so that when God sheathes his sword and puts it back in and the pain seems to go away, Every, the doctor says it's going to be okay, we quickly run to those toys. We, really, we quickly run to find our security and our satisfaction in something other than God. But God is testing us and trying us, and He does cause us to suffer so that you and I would get to know God and enjoy God and experience God in a way on this earth and trusting in Him that you would never have when everything is comfortable and we don't feel like we need God. Too often we... He says, we often view God as an airman views his parachute. I'm glad I have him, but I hope I don't need to use him. That's not how God made us. God made our souls to long for him, to be satisfied in him. And suffering is one of the means in which he draws us to himself. Which leads to the third, maturity in Christ. We can rejoice because God makes us mature. He grows us up. We are forged in the fires of persevering. We are, there, there's something built. So that Paul writes in Romans 5, 3 through 5, not only that, we rejoice in our sufferings. Paul says it. I rejoice in my sufferings. Why? Because I know that suffering produces something. It builds something. It builds endurance. And endurance, as I keep, I do not give up, and I trust God, I, it builds character in my life. And when character grows, it's, I hope in God greater. I believe that He is at work in my life, and I rejoice. Because His love, the, it says, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Spirit who has been given to us. Count it all joy, brothers, when you meet various trials for the knowing that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. When steadfast has its perfect worth, you will be complete, lacking nothing. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. God intends to so grow us into maturity through sufferings, and so we can rejoice in it in a type of way. Which leads to the second to last, because of the comfort of assurance that is experienced. Have you ever experienced a trial? And no, you didn't handle it perfectly. No. But God has taught you His Word. And you, came, you, you went through the trial. You went through the suffering. And you didn't do it perfectly. You're not saying that. But 
you did pray. You did seek God. You got sought Christian help, and you come away and you go, I'm real. God, God has work in my life. I have assurance that God is in my life. Oh, I knew, I kind of thought it was, but sometimes I start, wonder if it's just my, some spiritual emotion that I'm just following, and it's not that I'm really a Christian. But I went through this trial, and I came out, and I trusted God, and I, my faith was tested, and it was proven real. Like a metal that goes through this fire, and it comes out, and it is gold indeed. First Peter talks that way in First Peter 1, 6 through 9. Lastly, and this is where we're going to get next week, Paul says, I rejoice in my sufferings because it has a ministry to others. I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, he says. We're going to see that next week. There is a type of suffering that when you go through your cancer or your relationship issue, your pain, and you do it with Christ and for Christ, trusting in Him, looking to Him, there's an opportunity in which you get to show God to other people. You get to help other people have faith in God. They look and say to you, how in the world do you do it? And you, get an answer, you give an answer for the hope that is in you. How are you able to continue to experience these things and still trust God? I'm glad you asked. It's not easy. But God is great. God is good in my life, and I trust Him. And let me share with you things that have helped me. Paul experienced a constant ministry with others, and it was his suffering. His suffering, some people said, Paul, you're suffering, your pains, they're getting in the way. Maybe you're not really an apostle because you're suffering all these things. Because if you are of God, God would be blessing you, and you would have all these good things going on. And Paul said, no, I'm suffering with Christ and for Christ. Christ suffered for sin. And he caused, caused his servants to follow him in the same manner in this life, in love. Just like God laid down his life for our sins on the cross, that we might be brought to God. So he extends his life through his people as we lay down our lives and extend His love to others, even through our sufferings. I conclude with this. If you were to just sum it all up and just really point to one thing, I want to encourage you, in the grace of our God, that you may suffer, and you are probably suffering now, that you would come and you would look to Christ and say, He will give you grace. He is not mistaken. He has a purpose. He loves you. He is, in the, he is in the process of transforming you into something that you never would imagine and may not ask for, but He knows best. And He is shaping you into that type of person. And He will give you the grace. I am thankful that God is not a perfectionistic God, but He's a perfect God. He is not a perfectionist God and that He demands absolute perfection for you or it's it. Throw it away. He's forgiving. He is merciful. He is ever working with each one of us in, in tailor-made, custom-made fit for your needs and your burdens. Each of you have trials. And you don't, shouldn't minimize your own trial when you compare to someone else and say, well, theirs is worse than mine, I shouldn't complain. No, your trial is what God has put in your life. And He wants you right now to suffer with Him by putting your faith in Christ. And suffer for Him by asking Him to bring you to Him, to, to make you know God more and show God to others through that pain. If you're here this morning and you say I want this but this is not at all my experience I want a relationship with God but I'm not sure what that really means because you see this all of this is for God's children and how do you become God's child is by repenting and turning away from your own sin and repenting and turning away from your own efforts to try to 
be right with God on your own steam, your own strength. And accept the free, perfect, and only gift. And that is what Jesus Christ did on the cross, the gift of salvation. Receive it, and you are forgiven. Receive it, and you are made His son or daughter. Receive it, and you have an inheritance forever. You have His Spirit now within you that starts to make these words make sense. And we're going to see that even more deeply next week of Jesus in us, the hope of glory. Father, I pray that you would help us this morning to to be made perfect through suffering, to be made complete, to be made mature through suffering, to be to suffer with you and for you. I pray that anything that was confusing, that is unhelpful, you would cause that to be taken out of our minds and that but that but the truth that is that you work all things together for the good of those who love you and are called according to your purpose. That you are at work in our lives and we can trust you. I pray, God, for teenagers here this morning that are so discouraged. For for lonely people in here that are really lonely for brokenhearted, and for physically, those that are physically suffering, both the side effects of things, and those that are hurting from injustices and mistreatment, those that are broken from abuse. Oh God, I pray that you'd come and be a refuge. You'd be a salvation. You'd be a comfort and you would bring a help. And I pray that... I praise you that someday you will take all our tears away because of what Jesus did in his suffering on the cross. In Jesus' name, amen.